Welcome to The Exam Room. I'm your host, Brian Vardabedian. Recently, I had the chance to sit down with Dr. Rob Rogers, founder and chief imagination officer of Medutopia. As a passionate medical education enthusiast, Rob is working to change the world of medical education by reinventing it. We had the chance to catch up about the way we train doctors and the problems with our medical education system. I hope you enjoy it. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. And they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution. Maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. Welcome to the exam room, Dr. Rob Rogers. Oh, it's great to be here. I've been uh, I've been waiting for the invitation patiently, and then it arrived. Oh man, I didn't. I had no idea. This is, I think it's episode six or seven, and I'm glad to glad to hear that you've uh, uh, you've heard a couple. And and uh, as an expert, I would love to hear some of your input. Actually, at some point. Yeah, yeah. Happy to talk about it. How do we know each other, Rob? I think we met. Well, you know, I've been following you on. You know, my wife asked me where I meet my friends, and I tell her online, and she <laughs> looks at me. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah. I noticed. I think I think I saw some tweets by you, but I think we officially met at the Stanford MedEx. That's right. Course a couple of years ago, um, you were. I think you were moderating something on stage. But um, and then the other thing that I encountered was a book that you put out, looking out for number two. And uh, I was. Oh, did you read? Did you that get wasn't, that? I, I don't have it, but you know, my kids are seventeen and fourteen, and I'm and I'm wondering why that book was not available when they were little because I could have used it. Yeah. Well, if they're having bowel movements, it's not too late, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, that Medicine X, I think you might have been – You Meditopia was running then, right? Or you were starting it or trying to get ideas for it or something like that, right? No, I was doing a course called The Teaching Course. And yeah, so Meditopia has only been around for, I don't know, maybe a year, four months, something like that. Well, let's so let's jump into that. Um, that's kind of what we're talking about today, kind of as the, as the lead point. Meditopia is your baby. So what is Meditopia? This sounds like something – like I have to take my shoes off for what? What's this all about? <laughs> yeah, so it, it's it's basically uh, if you look at that, you know, if you look at the word medutopia, it's, you can break it down into medical and then education. There's already a company called Edutopia, which is you know primarily for for school teachers, university professors, and mm-hmm. it's obviously all about education. And then the word you know utopia, which is my ideal of what the best educator uh, can be like. And then also we focus on learners. So Medutopia is, I guess, the best way to describe it. I mean, it is a company. Now, when I say company, as far as like making money, it's really not. So you could say it's not really a company. It's more of a global uh, think tank of like-minded individuals all over the world uh, who help us teach courses. Uh, We do podcasts. We're just uh, sort of starting three or four different mastermind groups for medical educators. And then um, we do kind of some crazy stuff. Um, Not really that crazy, like wild crazy, but I do a couple of courses actually out of my house in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, One of them is the Medjapreneur course, which is actually new and upcoming soon. And, Mm -hmm. and the reason that was developed and the reason a lot of the stuff we we've done is, uh, has been developed is 
the you know as well as I do that there's quite a few people not content in medicine for various reasons, and I'm not sure we're probably not going to talk about burnout and all of that stuff, but there's a lot of but people it, looking to be entrepreneurial and creative yeah. and innovative. And the, the reason I, I put together the, this company or this conglomerate of, of educators is I just, I just really didn't feel like I could do it within academics. I mean, I work in academics, which is kind of strange that it's uh, it, the, the weird thing is it's sometimes the, the least creative and innovative environment for people who want to create it's, I know that right. sounds strange, but right. you probably know what I'm talking about. So I just had this burning desire to build more, to be more, to help more, uh, just globally. And I, you know, I, you can do that certainly locally and, you know, I'm, I'm in academics and I'm happy in academics, mm-hmm. part, but I just, I, I didn't feel like I could do it completely within my job description. So I'm sort of a, a thinker, kind of an imaginative guy, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes have trouble <laughs> executing and, and following right. up, but, but I've got great ideas and, and at least uh-huh. I think that's my strong suit. And I, I wanted to simply, you know, affect the world, if you want to put it that way, uh, the world of educators and the world of learners. So, uh, Rob, let's go back to kind of what Medutopia does. Are you teaching people how to teach or are you just providing a platform for interesting courses? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. So we do courses. Uh, we do live courses. The courses are focused for the most part on teaching people how to be good educators uh, we talk a ton about faculty development, professional development. Uh, there's a huge component of teaching not only educators uh, about wellness, but teaching you know teaching educators how to teach learners about wellness. There's a obviously for many reasons a huge emphasis yeah. on wellness these days. And so yeah, the courses are, are definitely on how to be a good educator, but we're starting to branch off into courses for learners. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I, I really wasn't taught how to learn. I think most people aren't. And when I use my kids as an example, you know, they just, nobody ever talks about spaced repetition and retrieval practice and all of these learning science terms that actually work for kids. And those can be applied, not just to, to, uh, to medical learners, they can be applied to college students and, and high school students and even younger. And so Medjitopia is starting to take a little bit of a twist, uh, where it's going to be focusing on learners as well. So the best way I can describe it is this started off as just a, an idea to have a course to teach people how to be good educators. Right. But it, it quickly became pretty obvious that there's, there's lots of educators, there's medical educators, there's, you know, college educators, high school educators, elementary school. I mean, we, you know, all these people teach, many of them give slides and we sort of realized that everybody could probably be a better educator. Now, I guess philosophically, this all came about. And the reason I'm so focused on educators and learners is um, not just, you know, the the practice of being a better educator or being a better learner. It's all about patient care. Ultimately, all of this centers around transmitting this ultimately to the bedside. And so that's kind of my, my passion. That's what drives me every day is that the stuff that we do, whether it's podcasting, blogging, courses for educators, courses for learners, whether it's medical, nursing, undergraduate is, is ultimately a lot of these people are going to take care of patients or at least are going to teach people how to take care of patients. And so it's, it's really all about patient care. It's all centered around, uh, just excellent patient care. So we, when we met at medicine X, um, I don't know if you were at medicine X ed or, or X, but either way, uh, you saw some of the energy that was there and some of the passion. Oh yeah. Um, 
you know, and when you when you when you look at the the thinking and community that Larry Chu has cultivated at Medicine X and what with what you're doing at Medutopia, I mean, is there a theme here? Is this a response to like a gross failure or gross negligence on the part of academia, or wh- wh- why do you, why are you even in business? That's a great question. You know, when I finished residency, um, I did emergency medicine and internal medicine. And then I had a, another year, I call it my fugue state, where I did a six year as a chief resident in medicine. Um, I don't remember much about fugue the fugue state. Year. How, how's that? Well, most of my friends were like, you just did five years of residency. You want to go into academics. Why on earth are you going to do a chief resident year in internal medicine? Good God. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my response now looking back. I mean, it was basically a teaching fellowship and it was great, but I still call it my fugue state. Cause I'm really not sure where I went that year or why, why I went, <laughs> but I was always interested in academics. Right. And I knew that's where the money was, so to speak, that, you know, teaching and learning and always being around this energy. And, you know, over the years it, it became apparent that medical schools, and I'm not going to criticize, I'm not going to name names because some schools do this well. Obviously there are schools that are progressive and, and, they are doing this well, but I think a lot of them, and you probably know this as well, just don't inspire and motivate learners. And not only do they not inspire and motivate learners, they, and again, some, some are catching on and learning how to do it, but most are way behind. They don't know where to meet learners on their own grounds, on their own terms. And they're not utilizing the, the spaces that learners like to be in. They're not utilizing the pace of learning that learners like to, like to use. And Quite frankly, and this has been discussed on, I think, a podcast Michelle Lynn did with Jeff Riddell on the outsourcing of medical education. You know, clearly med schools are not going away. That's where you have to go if you want to be a physician. You have to go to medical school. But a lot of this innovative, cutting edge, uh, and more importantly, the inspirational and motivational um, piece of this is really being outsourced uh, to, to, to good blogs and podcasts. And, you know, there's even a prediction, will it happen? I don't know, but there's, you know, people kind of talking about, will there, will there be these virtual medical schools in the future where, you know, you could essentially, and I know people who would have definitely chosen the first two years of med school just to learn digitally. And that's probably happening to a certain extent. And so med schools have traditionally done so poorly overall at, at some of these things that, you know, more creative and innovative people have come along and said, there's a better way to do this. Right. And not only that, you can utilize social media. And, you know, what I like to always say is if, if a learner is, is, you know, they like to learn in some, you know, space X, for example, that's where you should go meet them. That's, that's kind of where they like to learn it. And there's this chasm, I think in medical education that in some places is just simply widening because, you know, the age difference is increasing. And I don't think we understand our learners as well as we could. So all of this interest in Medjutopia and all of the things I've been doing grew out of an interest um, and and really a realization that traditional medical education is kind of stuck with you know all day lectures and and poor slide design and and non inspirational people and not not everybody but a lot of them mm-hmm. and so I I said there's got to be a better way to inspire people not only to be better educators, but to, to teach other people how to take better care of patients. And, and there's just got to be a better way. And I think people have become frustrated with the current system and, and they've moved on to, uh, to different spaces. Yeah. This uh, issue of students going elsewhere for their content is fascinating. It's, uh, I guess you call it the black market curriculum. In fact, there was a, a Stanford medical student uh, at Medicine X who I ran into who was uh, uh, involved in creating some of that 
uh, creating some of that material. And there's a pathology. There's a guy that teaches pathology that's really famous, and all the medical students, uh, all the medical students uses uses materials. And um, it's really a fascinating phenomenon how these students are paying so much money for their education, yet they're going and watching videos in two x speed from from black market sources. Right. Well, let me touch on this issue of you being an academic. So you're doing this. Do you do you identify as an you identify as an academic, or do you see yourself kind of as an outsider? I guess I, you know, yeah, I've I've you know I finished residency in 2002 and went right into academic practice with you know residents and students, and you know I was at Maryland for years and then left Maryland to come to uh, to Lexington to to the University of Kentucky, which uh, both are great places, great people. But still, I've been in academics my entire my my entire career. I've worked, you know, shifts. I guess you could say occasionally at community affiliates. But I but I've always been around, you know, the large academic hospital with all of the, you know, traditional educational background, and the residencies and the students and and you know some of the hassles that go along with academics. But but you know that's that's sort of where I've always identified myself. Um, you know, from the beginning, the one thing I can tell you that I think is happening that that I've noticed is people I think now firmly believe that you don't have to be in academics to be an effective educator, uh, whether that's locally or globally, mm-hmm. whether it's with social media or not with social media, you can be creative and, and build blogs and podcasts and companies and all of this stuff. Um, you don't have, you can work in this small little hospital someplace. I think there's been this, this trend that pe- people, people at least traditionally have believed you have to be in a big hospital with all the residencies to be an effective educator. And, and I, I just don't think that's true anymore. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, with the rise of democratized media, for sure, we all have, uh, we all have that ability and that capacity to sort of reach an audience and uh, there, there are business models involved too, right? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about this failure that's happening in, in medical education, where are we not meeting? If we just start with the medical students. Where, where, how are we not meeting them where they're at? Well, that's a, it's a complex question. There's a, a lot of answers I could come up with. Um, I, I think, you know, looking back to you, when you and I were in med school, which was not exactly yesterday. Yeah. Um, and it's still this way in many places. We, we You go into medical school, you kind of know what's going to happen. I mean, you've chosen to go into four years of of a lot of information that's thrown at you. And, and traditionally, learners have had zero choice and not only what they learn, but how they learn it. They've been, you know, told to memorize. I remember back to my first two years of medical school. I, I had a good time in medical. I mean, I liked medical school, but it was just torture. You know, the amount of information that you have zero, you know, you have zero control over that you just cram it in your brain and and move on. And you know, a lot of it, I'd say, a lot, huge percentage of that information was not important enough to begin with. Um, and it's just, it's all gone. I mean, think of the things we've forgotten over the years. So I think that's been a traditional problem: is no no control over what they learn. And you know, over the past several years, medical schools have become much more collaborative. Uh, a lot of medical schools have eliminated you know the, these boring lectures where people just sit passively. That's that's the worst way to learn. But yet, a lot of medical schools and professional schools still dish out all day lectures. It's it's terrible. So that's changing. But that's how we learned. The, you know this this discussion with learning science, and probably the best book I would say the best book I've ever read on this topic. Which honestly, I think every student, just period, every student should have to read this because it's not about medical education. It's not about how to learn in medicine. It's basically the science of learning. 
And it's by uh, three guys, Brown, Rodiger, and McDaniel. And you may have read the book called Make It Stick, The Science of Successful Learning. This book ought to be mandatory for everybody. And when I first read it, you know, from cover to cover, I realized I didn't do any of these things in med school. I didn't do any of these things in college. Um, Simple, you know, like spaced repetition, all of the things that the, the, the psychology of learning and the people who've studied this really know how we learn. We learn by mass memorization and cramming and reviewing things over and over and over again. And you see this with med students. You see this with students, you know, high school students, college, all the healthcare professions. They just sit and they highlight and circle and arrow. And, and traditionally, I think that's been the downfall uh, of, of medical schools since we're, that's what we're talking about is we've, has, we've assumed over the years that people coming into med school know how to learn because they've, they're clearly successful. They've done well in their MCATs and here they are. But nowhere will you find any information about how to teach learners how to be good learners. There's so much focus on the content of medical school. I think it ought to be mandatory for everybody. So that's a huge change. And you can see that in social media because everyone's always talking about learning science and how we actually learn. And I'm applying this to my kids. My my daughter actually has, believe it or not, a learning coach. Uh, wow. Not because – oh, it's crazy. Not necessarily because she's doing poorly, just – because as she entered high school, we realized she just didn't know how to study. And of course, she's not going to listen to mom and dad at all. So we got an outside person who just kind of goes over those basic concepts of, you know, you can't, here's a good example, the illusion of mastery, right? How many times have you sat and read things 10 times and your brain tricks you into thinking you know it because you've read it 10 times? you don't know the material at all. You simply know where words are and where context is. And then you have to take a test on that material and you can't answer it because really all you've done is familiarize yourself too much with where the words are. That's how people learn. And so we noticed with my daughter, as an example, she just didn't know how to use learning science because nobody ever talked about it. You know, nobody ever mentioned it. Nobody ever taught it to her. But now that she's getting spaced um, repetition and retrieval practice, a lot of the concepts that the company Osmosis, um, I forget where the two guys who started, uh, I think out of Hopkins, brilliant idea of, of incorporating learning science into how they build educational modules. And Brian McGowan, they started, uh, and the guy who founded Osmosis, I think they started a company called Archimedics, which- That's right. Yeah, which is a, it's a learning platform. And what's interesting is they've got, uh, so Brian McGowan is a PhD uh, I think he, for Lilly or something, he ran their continuing education, uh, but he's got all these backend analytics on their learning platform, which is getting real traction. And so educators can, uh, can actually see, uh, what learners are doing with content. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yeah. and they're applying learning you know, science to, to, to education. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and learners are blown away by it. The ones who don't really know that much about, you know, the existence of learning science, this has been around for a while. I get just a year ago, I gave a probably 25, 30 people showed up, uh, some medical students, some undergraduate students. It was a free thing that I held at the University of Kentucky with a couple of other people. The whole purpose of this little three hour session was to just introduce them to the concepts of learning science and how to apply them and how and why they work because they, they work tremendously well. These students were blown away. They said, we've never had this. No one's ever mentioned it in high school, college, nowhere this ought to be mandatory everywhere. And I think the schools that are really capitalizing on learning science are the ones that are going to surpass all the other ones because 
teaching people how to learn is, is part of the equation, and we never really address it that well. Hey, everybody, this is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. An interesting study in 2016 published in JAMA Facial Plastic Surgery, 64% of plastic surgeons describe having used online videos to learn new procedures. Yeah. Um, what was funny about that at the time, it was like breaking news. I mean, that was two years ago. And I, I wrote a post on this. My fascination was with the fact that uh, why would we even think that's odd? You know what I'm saying? The mainstream media presented as a story with, with this kind of veiled shock that surgeons would learn things by looking at YouTube. But I mean, that's how surgeons learn, right? By visual, visual, they're visual learners. Yeah, absolutely. And, and oh my gosh, YouTube and Vimeo, all the video platforms. Here's the, the, the thing that's fascinating about the way we teach medical school. And this is probably true for many of the schools is, you know, we think we're doing a great job and we give these great lectures and students are just gone. I mean, if you look out in an audience, they're just, their eyes are glazed over if they're in class at all. Um, and they're listening to podcasts at twice the speed. And, and the cool thing is with video, they can, obviously they can fast right, forward through right. all the dull stuff and get right to the meat of the matter. They're just, they learn fast and they learn at their own pace and they're, they've moved on beyond many of us. And we think that we're doing a great job that there's a huge disconnect. So we had a curriculum at Baylor called digital smarts, which, uh, brought the medical students through kind of four years. Uh, it was kind of a longitudinal curriculum, but a part of it involved, uh, social media, uh, you know, social media learning and digital professionalism and such. And the first year I did it, it was lecture based and it was a complete flop and uh, we converted to complete team-based learning and uh, taking these case live case scenarios of, of social media mishaps and turning them into debates and um, you know, 280 medical students would all be engaged. And so, yeah, we learn these things as teachers, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Social media is, is a huge, a huge part of this. And, and people call me crazy when I even, even mention this, you know, there are some, there are some medical educators who teach on, for example, Instagram, Snapchat, even, and we're not talking about, you know, I'm not sure what the guy's name is, Dr. Miami, the plastic surgeon who, 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 I don't know how he does it, but he live streams surgeries from Snapchat in the operating room. Uh, but there are a lot of educators utilizing these platforms. And if you do it the right way and, and you know where your learners are, you're, I'm not going to say you're going to be a more popular educator. You're simply meeting them on their own terms like it or not, and I, my wife, you know, just kind of rolls her eyes when I sort of lament over the fact that my kids are glued to their phone. Everybody's glued to their phone mm -hmm. and they're glued to these apps and social media platforms. It's just a reality. Trying to fight it is, 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 it's nearly impossible. So what I've come to realize is we know where they like to learn. We know the pace they like to learn. So we ought to be creating things uh, to, to, to match that, or at least uh, at least understand where they like to learn because that's just the reality. Rob, you mentioned wellness early on um, that Meditopia is yeah. trying to get, or is, I guess, beginning to get into the wellness space, uh, which I think is so important. 
uh, my wife and I were talking about this with regard to young kids. We're not, we're really not training school age kids and beyond to, to, to learn mindfulness and meditation and other ways of naturally detaching from those devices that you were just talking about in a way that they want to detach from them. So, I mean, obviously burnout is a, is, 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 is a huge topic. So where are you taking that and why do you think that's important? Well, wellness is a, is a huge all encompassing word that could describe, you know, mental health, physical health. Um, two years ago, you know, at the age of 46, I had a, an MI, uh, and have an RCA stent 46 years old. I followed followed that whole thing on, on Twitter. Yeah. I tweeted it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say it again. I wanted to live stream on Twitter, my cath and the cardiologist told me I was an idiot. Um, I may have in fact been an idiot, but I'm like, this is such a great teaching point. Cause I, even then when I was on the cath table, I could foresee, I, I'm not kidding. I was, I was thinking I have to use this to teach people. This is what happens when you don't take care of yourself. Now, Rob, there was that and guy that live tweeted his vasectomy, like way back in the being a Twitter. That's kind of the same thing. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I even have boundaries. I'll do, I'll do a cath. Um, but yeah, but it just reminds me of how cold the cath table, the, the cath room was, by the way. It's a story for another day. It was really cold in there. Um, so, so yeah, there's physical health, you know, if you don't exercise and that's kind of easy, you know, you teach, but here's the, here's the issue is as educators. And the reason I think this is so important is that educators are responsible for teaching learners, not just content and not just how to take good care of patients, but, but how to, how to take care of themselves. And And there's lots of things going on right now. There's there's, that's never really been a thing. We've not really been focused on anything other than just mandatory checkboxes. Like, okay, here's your wellness lecture for the day and you move on. People are dying, you know, physician suicide. Um, the, the here, and you talk about kids with social media, the incidence of depression and anxiety among teens and kids in their twenties and thirties. It's unbelievable. It's, I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. What's happening. Something's clearly happening. And I think now if, if we're going to be really good, effective educators, um, and the, the term that I use, and it's not my term, it's John Moravich, who wrote a book called the nomad society. Uh, I think he, I think either he did or someone in the book came up with the, the phrase, a learning choreographer. We're not really educators. We're more of learning choreographers, which I think is a beautiful term because that's really kind of what we do. We choreograph learners lives yeah. and part of their lives is wellness. Right. So if we're not teaching them about you know, staying healthy and what happens if you don't, and um, especially mental health needs. So wellness covers a lot of different things. Um, and so I realized, you know, with Medjitopia that if we're not addressing, I mean, this is just life, right? Yeah. It's easy to say, here's how you give better feedback. Here's how you make a beautiful slide. But ultimately, if you want to be a truly effective learning, learning choreographer, you ought to really be tapped into uh, or have a, you know, a pulse check on the wellness of the people you're trying to inspire and motivate. Because they will ultimately go off and teach other people the same thing. And you get a ripple effect. And that's where you truly become a good choreographer. So we have to focus on this stuff. People are falling apart. They're more depressed. They're more anxious. You know, there's more suicide. uh, Burnout's increasing. Resiliency issues. System-wide. I mean, there's so many things going on that it has to be addressed at a a grassroots level. And there's a lot of organizations doing this. But it's just part of being a good educator in my mind. Yeah. You know, when... My very first podcast was with Sasha Shilcutt from University of Nebraska on burnout. And um, I really, I was kind of oblivious to this whole burnout thing, you know, because I'm a mid-career guy uh, where we, 
you know, this really wasn't part of the, the dialogue back then. And so Not at all. I, you know, recognized that I had some of the symptoms that we were discussing during the podcast. I was like, holy crap, this is, this is real. And if I can't take care of myself, um, you know, I can't be a good, a good, a good trainer of the, of the right. next generation. And, um, one of the things we talked about the podcast was this idea of, um, looking for role models in your, in your, in your environment. There are people who are in my space who do an amazing job of equanimity and balance. And I, I try to be like them and they're, they're always the other people that say yes to everything and they, they, they drill themselves to the nub. So, um, it's a huge issue and it's great to see you guys taking it on. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'm trying to pull this up as uh, I'm talking. I just, you just kind of made me think about a tweet that Mark Reed, I uh, forget his Twitter handles at medical, medical, medical axioms. axioms. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, I'll mention him. Um, I may have to, here it is. So he just put out uh, this uh, like a couple of days ago uh, because you mentioned like emulating people you want to be, you know, more uh-huh. like. And he put out two tweets. He said, if you're angry all the time, you'll become uh, an anger projector. If you hate all the time, you'll become a hate maker. If you're always judging and yelling, you're adding to the noise and yelling and the attitude of judging. And then the next thing is, here's what I try to do. Figure out what I think the world needs more of and do that. And figure out what the world needs less of and do less of that. And then he says, it's very empowering. And obviously he puts out a lot of really great information, but I think that's a great, I think that's a great thing is to try to be like those people that, that really do this well. Small rabbit trail with Mark Reed at Medical Axioms. He actually was a guest on the exam room and the file got, audio file got corrupted and we, 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 we lost and I have to have him on again. But why do you think Mark Reed has drawn such a huge following? And I think he's, he's changed over the past few months what he does and what he puts out, but his traditional medical axioms that he was doing maybe six months ago. Why do you think, yeah. why do you think that resonates with a consuming public of physicians? That, that's a great question. The, you know, I've, <laughs> the funny thing is I've, I've pondered that question several times when I see, you know, a bazillion retweets that, that he gets from some of the things he says, and I've followed him for years and he's always very insightful. He's got a great blend of humor I think, and I can't really completely pinpoint it, but I, I think he is one of those unique individuals that can visualize the undercurrent of how things work better than anybody. I think a lot of us can observe things and make try to make conclusions about why something happens. And but for some reason, it's almost like he's got X-ray vision on on medicine and knows what motivates people. He's, I can't really pinpoint. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a great answer for you, but he does see something. I think a lot of people just don't. So I spent 40 minutes with him on a, on a, on an exam room podcast. Uh, again, again, never went live, but really one of the most interesting guys I've ever spoken to. Very, very unusual guy in terms of his worldview. You know, I think my theory is that in a medical world that's increasingly driven by technology, uh, medical axioms as a book and as a, as a as a Twitter feed kind of pulls us back to our roots. You know, when I see these bits yeah, of wisdom, it, it kind of makes me remember that there's still so much that I can shape at the bedside given a little judgment and thought. Right. Yeah. And his words kind of hang where the doctor and the patient, the thinking come together and it's independent of an EHR and everything else. And I think uh I think that resonates with people. They feel that sense of control. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he's like a modern day Osler Twitter person. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a better title than that. But yeah, you're right. He's he's at the bedside. Nothing else matters. 
And in, in a world that many of us don't understand, he kind of understands this is ultimately all about patient care. Like, can we talk about this? And then he blends humor and it's fantastic. His stuff's fantastic. So Rob, let's let's talk just a little bit about, about the future. You know, as I think about the future of the physician, one of the things that really, when I think about education and the future of the physician, one of the ch- great challenges I think we face is this idea that medicine is changing so quickly and what doctors are going to be doing uh, 20 years from now is really even unpredictable. So how do we, how do we shape medical education when we really don't know what doctors are even going to be doing? Um, I mean, what do you think about, what do you think about the future and, and, and how does education fit into that? Well, I think that's a complex question. There's some, there's some things that are, that I'm just not very knowledgeable about. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be completely vulnerable. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, maybe a couple of years from now that this will change, but you know, I'm not your go-to person for, for AI and some of these things that are being talked about that are, that a lot of people predict will be a huge part of medical education. I mean, not only now, but definitely in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years, I think where education is going, in my opinion, is it, this is already happening. And I've, I've watched this happen and unfold with the osmosis company that puts out just great content that I think captivates learners. I think the digital space is, is already obviously exploding, but things are going to move more and more online they're going to become solely dependent on the speed that learners want to go through them. I think what you're potentially going to see are hybrid systems where people get their first two years of medical school uh, either online or someplace else, and, and maybe maybe don't even have to go to physical med school for the first couple of years. I think these ideas are sort of already being tossed around now that, you know, why are we in med school for four years? Why are we sitting in classrooms for the first two years? That That's already been challenged. People are getting rid of lectures. Um, so I think you're going to con- continue to see the digital space expand. You're going to continue to see uh, really innovative companies like Osmosis fill those voids, and I think you're going to see more of those come about in the next several years. But but where? W- you know, but I guess the thing I would recommend for educators now, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, I'm going to be 48 next month, and so uh, you know I've got years left, hopefully. But but this is going to affect people that are younger than us a lot more is trying to understand and keep up with trends in medical education. I mean, I think to a certain extent, we not only do we need to know where learners like to learn, and you know, you can learn that from your kids. If your yeah. kids understand social media better than we do. So I think as an educator, you, you've simply got to realize it's not enough just to show up and teach and think you're effective. You have to understand the rules, and the rules are constantly changing. The rules will cause some discomfort. Yeah. Those rules have to be bent a little bit because you're going to have to potentially learn platforms you've never learned before. You're going to have to potentially think about creating um, you know, screen videos, uh, screen captured videos for your learners. You're going to have to probably get into podcasting. You're going to have to stretch your comfort level to match where the learners uh, like to be. Yeah. And then the other thing is simply going to conferences and keeping up with the literature and going to these great blogs like Academic Life and EM and and, and knowing what's coming in the next five years, the next 10 years, you just got to stay up to date because this stuff's coming. AI is already here. And there's other things that people are like, listen, I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I'm just going to continue to give my boring PowerPoint talks. And that's all I'm going to do. Those people are going to fall off by the wayside. I think, I think as educators, we simply just have to keep up with what's going on and be motivated to be better every single day. Yeah. You know, I think we, for most of medical history, 
change, be it in medical advances or even education, happened by generations. And uh, now we're seeing those changes happen by the month. When, when Eric Topol addressed the faculty at Baylor College of Medicine before his 2012 commencement address, someone asked him what he saw as the most important skill of the 21st century physician, and his answer was flexibility, um, which I think is totally prescient because if, if you can't keep up with how things are changing and you can't adapt and pivot in real time, uh, you're hosed, basically. For me, one of the one of the big one of the big shifts I think that's going to happen in education is I think we're going to probably or hopefully or we're going to have to move from uh, memorizing information or medical knowledge to accessing medical knowledge. Our current paradigm just really ignores the whole crisis of information and the fact that we just can't keep up with what's out there. So. I think that's going to be the big shift going forward is that access as opposed to memorization, you know? Yeah. And you probably remember the days of, if you needed to look something up, that's exactly what you had to go do. You couldn't just, you know, ask Dr. Google, tap, tap him or her on the shoulder. You had to go to a, you had to like know where to right, look. Right. Uh, and, and you were expected to know everything. And I, I, I totally agree. The information age has blown this out of the water. It's going to be how you get the information. I totally so, agree. So some, I was on Twitter last week. Someone had just taken their, recertification board and you know it's that deal where you have to go in and you know squat in a mirror and take off your devices and put them in a locker and um take this exam with no resources which it sounds kind of crazy but it 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 kind of is because we don't live in the world where we sit down with no resources and so oh yeah i totally i've got my phone in my pocket i use it use it every shift we're desperately stuck in the 20th the 20th century i think uh yeah. Rob, how can people learn more about Meditopia and where they can get your courses and so on? Yeah. So if you go to mymedutopia.com, um, mymedutopia.com, you'll have a listing of all the courses, podcast resources, contact forms. You can get in touch with us. And uh, yeah, so everything we've got is on the site, including all the social media platforms we're on. You are on Twitter. I, f- I follow everything you do on Twitter. Yeah, I've got a bit of a Twitter problem, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Acknowledging it's the first thing, I guess, right? It, it's better than other habits, uh, I suppose. So, Dr. Rob Rogers, thank you for entering the exam room. I think you're one of the most interesting men in medical education these days, and uh, it's been exciting to talk to you and hear about Meditopia and all the things you're doing. I hope to have you back here in the next several months and we can have another conversation. Oh, I'd love to. Absolutely love to. Being on here today, you made my year, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. This show is made possible in part by the Social Health Institute. Through research and partnerships with healthcare organizations around the country, the Social Health Institute explores new and innovative ways for hospitals and healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategy. To learn more about the Social Health Institute, visit them online at socialhealthinstitute.com at socialhealthinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us in the exam room. If you like what you heard here, please rate the program, review us, or let folks know about us. And if you have any really cool ideas that you'd like discussed here, please feel free to let us know. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health. Touchpoint.